Good morning, Arbor Church. I was hoping for more vocal. Good morning, Arbor Church. Thank you so much. You know, we got people in the room now. We want to hear voices now. Guys, we we are continuing our letters to a young church where the whole point of this series has to been to look at the, uh, the early letters that Paul wrote for his church because we believe that when we look at them, we can see truths that Paul wrote for his church that are truths for us today. The truths for then are the truth for today. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Galatians 5, 16 through 26, if you guys want to get there with your Bibles. And the truth that we're going to be looking at this morning is how Christians have a choice have a choice of how to use their freedom in Christ. Um, and really, it's the choices between good and bad, which reminds me of the, the angel and the devil on the shoulders. Now, you know, TV shows, movies have changed over time from black and white to color, from, from originals to, to remakes, from reruns to new episodes. But I feel like every generation has the angel and the devil on shoulders in common. And to be honest with you guys, I would love to hear where your mind goes when I bring that up. I think for my generation, I'm going to seem super young. For my generation, I think of the Disney movie Emperor's New Groove with Kronk with angel on shoulders. So my fellow millennials, I would, hope to, I would love to hear where you guys go. But I honestly want to hear where your mind goes with angel and devil on shoulders. But that... That is what we're going to be talking about today, is how Christians have a choice, the, the choice between choosing the desires of the flesh or the desires of the Spirit. Last week, Scott set me up perfectly for this sermon by, by focusing on Galatians 5, verses 13, where Paul writes, and I really want us to hear this because it really is the theme of what we're talking about today. Paul wrote, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So we, are, we have been called to freedom. We have freedom in Christ. We are no longer slaves to our sins anymore, as the worship song puts it. But we as Christians, we have a choice whether we can use that freedom to indulge the flesh, or use that freedom to serve one another. The choice is ours. So I want to ask us, how are we using that freedom? On February 23rd, the world lost a man who has made a difference for the kingdom and honestly just the lives of people. And honestly, he he probably made a difference in people that you know. His name was Pastor John Baker. If you don't know who Pastor John Baker is, allow me to introduce you to him. John Baker was a man who classified himself as a functioning alcoholic. And his alcoholism was getting so bad that his wife started to take notice when his beverage of choice for breakfast was a beer. Now, his addiction was getting so bad that it even caused, it put a wedge between his relationship with his kids and relationship with his wife to the point of separation. Now, through the separation is when John realized that he really needed to get help. 
And I mean, from the grace of God and the grace of a strong woman, him and his wife started reconciling and getting back together. And through that, they decided to attend church together. And after searching for different churches, the two landed on Saddleback Church in Orange County, California, where, where John got to meet Rick Warren. And through Saddleback, he attended AA. He was able to rededicate his life to Christ. He was able to renew his vows with his wife and really seek the help that he wanted. But John started noticing a, a problem that was happening. Is As he was growing in this church and he was growing in small groups, he didn't feel comfortable to share his addiction with the people that he was around. And when he was going through AA, he didn't feel comfortable sharing about God because in his, in his opinion with the 12-step programs, he felt like it was more about a higher power and not so much Jesus. So John wrote out a vision, a huge document that he submitted to Rick Warren, which birthed the idea of Celebrate Recovery also known as CR, if you guys have heard it. See, John wanted to give people the 12 steps, but wanted to pair each one with a teaching from Scripture. And the story is that he shared this with Rick Warren, and it took a few hours. And Rick Warren looked at John and said, Great, John. Go do it. And Celebrate Recovery started. John Baker was the co-founder of Celebrate Recovery. And through that, millions of people have found their freedom in Christ. He's, he's been helping people deal with their hurts, hang-ups, and habits, as the program puts it. A functioning alcoholic with a failing marriage, Pastor John Baker found freedom and recovery through Christ. And instead of keeping that freedom to himself and indulging the flesh, he decided to use his freedom to serve others so they can find their freedom. I bring up John's story, one, because he's an amazing man who has helped millions of people. But also, that is the example of Galatians 5.13 for me. For your call to freedoms, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love, serve one another. So I ask again, how are you using your freedom? The Christians have a choice. We as Christians, we are, we are free. We have a choice. And as Paul puts it in verses 16 through 26, we can use our freedom by walking by the flesh or use our freedom by walking by the Spirit. So if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to read these verses. But before I do, I want to say this. Because as we read these verses, we might have a temptation to think of people that we know who we believe are walking by the flesh. Or we might have the temptation to read the fruits of the Spirit and think of people who are not doing a great job at it. And that is not what I want for this sermon. This is a self-assessment. This is how are we doing with the Spirit inside of us. So as I read these, as we go through them, I, would, I want us to say amen to Jesus' teaching of the speck versus the lock, where Jesus wrote, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, 
but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. If you agree to that, please say amen. Amen. So now with that being said, let's read Galatians 16 verses or Galatians 5:16 through 26. Paul says, "But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So Paul starts us off by telling the readers that there is a battle going on between Christians, a battle going on between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the Spirit. Both oppose each other, as Paul puts it, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. To me, that's why I brought up the example of the the angel and the devil on the shoulders. If you think about that on the movies or the shows or just choices in day to day, there's something that a person wants to do and, or they're, they're a decision a person has to make. And then the angel and the devil pops up and it usually happens to where this person's talking to both. The angel and the devil are arguing with each other, really trying to get the character to do what they want to do and, and, and keep them from doing the other thing. So when Paul is saying that these two exist to keep you from doing what you want to do, it is saying that if you want to live by the Spirit, the other one is trying to keep you from doing that. If you want to live by the flesh, the Spirit is trying to keep you from doing that. These two oppose each other, and the Christian has a choice of what to do. This reminds me of of King David in the Old Testament. Do you guys remember this story? King David has been chosen by God to lead God's people. The only issue is Saul is still king. You guys remember the story? Saul was chosen by God, but after not obeying, not submitting, not listening to God, he lost the spirit. And the spirit entered David, and David was now going to be the king. Again, the issue is that Saul is still in place. Now, if you guys read uh, the Old Testament, you'll notice that Saul hates David, mostly because he realizes that people want David to be king, so he wants to kill David so he can keep the throne. So David and his men are just on the run all the time, trying to run from Saul, trying to murder them. But there was a moment when David had a choice to make, whether to kill Saul or to not kill Saul. David and his band of misfits went hiding into a cave, and Saul 
entered that cave. It says that Saul entered the cave to relieve himself, which pretty much means he went in there to use the restroom. And it was like Saul was delivered to David on a silver platter. So much that even, even David's men were like encouraging David to kill Saul so, they, so he can become king. But David had a choice. Murder Saul and become king or do not lay his hands on God's appointed. The choice was his. To ruin the ending for you guys, David chose to not kill Saul. You see, that is, that is the choices. That is the choices that we as Christians, we have in our freedom to, to do what we want to do, to, to indulge in the desires of the flesh, or to keep in step with the spirit that is inside of us, flesh or spirit. Now, if you're wondering, okay, what does this look like? Luckily, Paul tells us, tells his readers what it, what it means to live by the flesh. And we are going to look at that. And he does, tells, tells, tells us what living with, by the Spirit does as well. But I'm going to read these. And we're going to look at these word for word. In church, I want to be honest with you. I was really tempted to just do what a lot of other people do and kind of summarize them, put them in categories, make a, you know, starting with the letter C type of sermon with this. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to read every single word, to give a short definition, because I feel like Paul and the Holy Spirit were intentional when they wrote these words. They're intentional for this church to hear every single word. So I think we, as a church, should hear every single word. And as we do it, please keep in mind, spec versus log. So let's read. This is what Paul tells his readers in Galatia, what the desires of the flesh are. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. The first one that he brings up is sexual immorality, which could also be translated as fornication. Another fun fact, if you guys listen to the follow-up podcast, I brought this up a few weeks ago, but this word sexual immorality in the original Greek is a word called pornea or pornea. It is where we get our English word pornography from, which tells us that pornography goes beyond just images and videos, that any form of sexual immorality, being sexually immoral, any form of sexual activity that is outside of marriage is desires of the flesh. And sexual immorality, fornication, also refers to any unlawful sexual behavior that happens. We as Christians should not indulge the desires of the flesh when it comes to this. That's the first one, sexual immorality. The second one is impurity, which means obviously, to not be pure. Now, I bring that up as it's obvious to us, but for the readers hearing this, purity meant everything for them because in their minds, they needed to be cleansed. They needed to be clean in order to feel like they could worship their gods. If they were not pure, they were not worthy. 
They could not worship their gods. And, and literally here, this also means to the misuse of sex. That if the misuse of sex, if it's not in line with what Scripture says, but not in line with what God says, then you are becoming impure. Third one, sensuality is a person unawed by fear or shame, which usually means public indecency or public flaunting of sexual desires. Let's pause and not fall under temptation and again say, speck versus log. I really don't want us to do that, guys. And I say this to let you know, I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm definitely pointing fingers back at me as I was reading these words. So no, when I say it, I'm, I'm also very much talking to myself up here. So let's continue. Idolatry. Idolatry means the worship of, of, of goods which human hands have made. It is, a, a, it is a sin that we put material things in place of God. The NFL does not count, just to let you guys know. Thanks. That, was, that one was for my wife. But it's any time that we choose material things or other items instead of submitting to what God has called us to do. In Colossians, it even says that uh, coveting, covetousness is a form of idolatry. To, when you covet just an object, just a thing, over worshiping our Savior. The next word is sorcery, which another fun Greek word, in my opinion. I, I, I'm aware that when I say fun Greek word, it's usually just for me. But sorcery here, the Greek word is actually pharmakia or pharmakeia. It's where we get our word pharmacy from. So when you hear sorcery, it's actually the misuse of drugs. In its neutral form, pharmacy, pharmakeia is okay. If, if it's not used as what Paul classifies here as a poison for your body or a poison for other people's body or using drugs for a, a religious experience. And just let you guys know, I, I do hope that you look into these words deeper. Some of these words do have a good meaning to them. It's just being misused or, or perverted. So pharmakia, sorcery, is the misuse of drugs as a poison for ourselves and for others or to use drugs for witchcraft or just to have a religious experience. The next word, imity, which, man... This one's really hard today. It's being hostile between individuals, community, or communities on political, racial, or religious grounds. You know, it's not only hostile acts, but it's, it's hostile intentions as well. To put it simply, it's, it's not showing love, but hostility when it comes to people that we classify as our enemies. Next word after that, almost goes hand in hand, which is strife, which means the actual fighting and quarreling in order to win or to push your way, to push your agenda or to push what you want, like you have to win. Going down the line, next word is jealousy, which originally was a good word here. It means to have zeal for something. 
But here, as, again, as it gets perverted, it means to, be, to have a self-centered desire to have what someone else has or a wrong desire for something that is not yours. And as we continue, the other, the other thing that Paul puts is fits of anger, which is the outbursts of rage. Now, this isn't a rage that, that somebody gets mad and it lingers. These are the moments when somebody gets mad and then they're fine. They get mad, and then they're fine. But I will pause again for Brian's sake and say speck versus log. So now let's finish the, these, the indulgence of the flesh. We have dissensions, which dissensions, or sorry, rivalries is next. Rivalries is the, the selfish ambition that has no bounds. It is really wanting your way, and you don't care how you get it. You don't care who you use. You don't care who you walk over. It is, it is you get your selfish ambition. And then as we go to dissensions and divisions, these two can, can go together, which means causing a stumbling block, whether it's divisive teaching or whether it's your, your views, and form, formulating cliques that want to create parties against each other. In today's world, that's kind of the tragedy that we're experiencing quite a bit is it seems like nobody can hold difference of views without hating each other. Now, I feel like in today's world, it should be possible, especially as Christians, it should be possible to hold different views and yet remain friends, remain loving. But that's when the flesh wins. Next one is envy which describes a spirit which grudges the fact that the other person has things at all. An old proverb says that envy is grieving another's goods. Uh, grieving one another, like one another's goods. Something that, that you necessarily don't want, you just don't want them to have it. Then we get drunkenness, which is the excessive indulgence in wine or a strong drink. And then orgies, which orgies has an interesting history. It's, it was used with a group of friends who were celebrating with the victor of a games to the point where they would, they would dance, they would laugh, and they would sing praises. But when we read this word, you know, it means the unrestrained enjoyment that has become perverted and is out of control in a large group commonly with the use of sex. And the last one that Paul writes he says, and things like these, which tells us that this is not an exhaustive list. It is exhausting, but not exhaustive, which tells us that there is more, that there is more choices that we as a Christian have to make between indulging in the flesh or following and walking in with the Spirit. So anytime we have that choice, whether to do something that may Maybe we are like being urged to do that doesn't go in line with what we know God wants for us. Put that in, in the list. See, Paul finishes this up with a warning that church, I'm gonna be completely honest with you, I was stumped. I was stressing out. I had no idea how to teach this. I talked to, to Pastor Allison. I talked to Pastor Cliff. I looked up books. This one really scared me. Paul says, I warn you as I warned you before 
that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That freaked me out. I don't know about you guys, but that freaked me out. And so I was just sitting there as I'm like writing this down, as I'm, I'm reading the Bible, like, whoa, 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 whoa. So you're telling me if somebody is just super jealous, they're not going to heaven? And I got scared and started praying. I'm like, Spirit, help me. Like, uh, uh, and I just, I honestly started thinking of people. I'm like, no, the, you, can't, you can't tell me that. Just let you guys know, it's, it's, it's healthy to wrestle with Scripture. <laughs> but I started, I started getting stressed out. And then I looked up the word. Or when Paul says, I warn you that those who do such things, that word do could also be translated making a practice of doing. Which if you think about it, anybody who is practicing at something means you're trying to get better at it. That you are making this a lifestyle. But then it still didn't answer my question for me. So I'm like, wait, does that mean Christians who are making this a lifestyle, are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But guess what I did, guys? I did not listen to my own advice again. Speck versus log. This is a self-assessment. This is look at, your, look at the decisions you've made. Look at your heart. Look at where you're at. A Christian will be repentful. A Christian will confess, will repent. A Christian will lean towards the Spirit, even if times of failure. This is an unrepentful person. So this is a look at yourself. That's what I fell under. I started thinking of people. I started thinking groups of people. But in reality, it is look at Brian. And to be honest with you guys, if you're worried, like, oh my gosh, am I not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven? I think you're fine. I think, I think your heart and your convictions are really letting you know the route that you're going. But if, if there is something in this list, I pray that, that you do repent. And I pray that you do lean on the Holy Spirit. That you do start listening to the, the angel on the shoulders. But now let's continue because I don't want to uh, just you know, be super down <laughs> with that list. I, under, I can feel the mood in here, guys. I can feel, maybe feel what the people are online thinking. I might have lost some, might have lost some viewerships today. So let's talk about the fruit. Let's talk about what it means to walk into the Spirit. And one more time, let me remind you, speck versus log. So Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And now just like that list, let's look at each word individually because Paul and the Holy Spirit put it in intentionally. And if we believe in the truths of then, then we believe these are the truths for today. So let's look at these truths with the first one being love, the agape love. As Christians, we are called to love each other with the unconditional love that we have experienced from our Father who sent the Son to forgive us. You know, God's love should manifest, that is manifested in Christ, should flood over to us, which should flood over to one another, which floods over to mankind. Christians should be classified as love. I mean, it's the two greatest commandments. And sometimes it feels like it's one of the biggest insults of us, is that we're not loving. 
when Paul even stated uh, after Galatians 5.13 that, that if you love one another, you serve one another, you are fulfilling, fulfilling the Old Testament, the, the old laws, which is what the, the battle was happening between the, this church is whether they be Christians with the law or just follow Christ. But when we love, we are fulfilling everything. And we are living like Christ. So let's love all. Now the second one is joy. And to let you guys know, I totally skipped this somewhere in my notes. But the difference between indulging in the flesh and walking with the Spirit is the flesh means that we're choosing ourselves, our own desires. When we walk in the Spirit, we are choosing to serve one another, to love one another. So when we love, we obviously know that we're loving one another. Joy confused me for a little bit. I asked the question like, okay, how does, how does joy help others? How does joy serve one another? And I asked Scott last week, and Scott asked me a simple question and like kind of made me smile, but Scott just asked, have you ever been around a joyful person? And I was like, you know what? I have. And it is like the most contagious feeling ever. So I want you guys to think about that person that you know just, just has so much joy that after you're around them, you just feel good. Like that feeling of just, man, I, I want what they have. As Christians, if we are spreading our joy and people want what we have, that means they want Christ. That means they want the Spirit inside of them. This joy is an attitude that, of life that rejoices in who we are in Christ regardless of our current circumstance. To have joy that we have our Savior and hope, hope that he is returning for us. Third one is peace, which is quite, quite opposite of divisions and strife enmity. You know, it's the tranquility, having tranquility in our relationship with God and tranquility with relationships with others. It's that feeling of being in good standing with everyone. It's that feeling that, that we haven't wronged anyone. So those are the first three, love, joy, peace. And now the next one, which I'm pretty sure everybody at this church now knows I struggle with, is Patience. So I'm just going to skip that and go straight to kindness. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we as Christians, we are called to be patient with one another. And you guys are doing a great job in this sermon, just to let you know. <laughs> Having great patience right now. <laughs> That's a pity laugh. <laughs> but <laughs> thanks, Caleb. <laughs> but having patience with one another. I know people can test our patience, and I know as soon as we test our patience. One of those indulgence of the flesh wants to pop out. But as Christians, we are called to be patient because our God has been patient with us. And our God continues to be patient with us. So we should be patient with all. And kindness, which is a quality of God. Psalms 34 puts that, he's, they write, taste and see, the Lord is kind. Luke writes, God is kind to the ungrateful and ungenerous. And those who imitate him in this will be the sons of the Most High. And Paul writes, his kindness to believers should encourage them to continue in his kindness. Next one is goodness, which kind of goes hand in hand with kindness, but it's seeking to just do good to others. 
That one's hard to define because we just, we just know what good and bad is. To do good, to seek good, to be generous with who we are for others. Then we have faithfulness, which means being dependable. You know, our God is faithful. Our God can be relied upon. His people should be as well. His people should be dependable. And the Spirit enables them to do it. And then we have being gentle, which, to be honest with you guys, in this time was not a virtue. Being gentle with people was a sign of weakness. But with Christianity, they flipped that. With Jesus' teaching the Sermon on the Mount, he, he talked about how blessed people are if they are gentle, if they are meek. And being gentle just means to humble ourselves to others in every moment, to choose care over choosing to get what we want or to really get out what we want to say. It is being gentle with those who really need our gentleness. And finally, self-control, which is a Christ-like maturity. It is having the discipline over, over anything that just wants to take over us. Having self-control, it's a virtue which enables people to have such control over themselves that they are fit to be the servants of others. Those are the list, Arbor. The difference between indulging in the flesh and walking with the Spirit. And remember, the choice is ours. We have the freedom in Christ to make this choice. I just hope that we make the right choice, that we do walk by the Spirit. Paul finishes this up with saying, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So I'll ask one more time, church, how are you using your freedom? Desires of the flesh or desires of the Spirit? The choice is ours, and I hope that we can listen to verse 25. Because Paul wrote that if we are in Christ, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love that word in step because that can also be translated to march, which gives me the sense of like soldiers marching together. If you guys remember in the beginning of this, Paul wrote that the Spirit and the flesh are in opposition of each other. They're battling each other. And we have a choice as Christians of who are we marching with? The flesh or the spirit? With our freedom, who are we marching with? And church, let us march with the spirit. Brothers and sisters, we are free in Christ. We are free from, from the slavery of sin. But now it's our choice to go back to it or to be free from it and help others be free. Let us serve one another. But here's a little practice that I want, that I would love for you guys to do. If you have your notes, you have your phone, or just if you have a really good memory, I want you to think of this. When Paul writes, serve one another, I want to put a blank on one another. And I want you to fill in that blank with love, with your freedom. Who could you serve? Can you serve your church 
with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Can you serve your spouse with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Can you serve your kids with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Can you serve your coworkers with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Can you serve one another with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Let's use our freedom to love and serve one another. Lord, This message was tough. <laughs> this message was tough to swallow. This message is tough to hear. Quite honestly, Lord, this message was tough to preach. But Lord, you wrote this down. You wrote this down for your church, your church, your church in Galatia, and for your church here at Arbor. Lord, let those truths sink in us here. Lord, I know I speak for myself, spec versus log, that I want to be known as somebody who marches with the Spirit. I want to march with the Spirit. Lord, I want to serve and love your people and the people of this world so they get to experience you, Lord. And I pray that those in this room here and those watching, they have that same feeling. Lord, any, any words that just sounded like an alarm in our head that we wanted to ignore. Lord, light that up. Let us see it and help us, Spirit, to work on it. Spirit, be the louder voice in our mind when we have a tough decision to make. And Lord, I pray, I pray that your community here at Arbor can be loud voices to help those to help those Lord I hope that we can be just like your son John Baker who made a difference in millions of lives Lord I pray that Arbor can be that with the world out there with the ones who are who are suffering the ones who are addicted and the ones who are lost Lord help Arbor use their freedom Amen